Hi, my name is Aisha Addo, and I'm the founder of Power to Girls Foundation and Drive. <laughs> You're listening to Unfiltered, the podcast. Hello, podcasters. Welcome to another episode of Unfiltered. In today's episode, we chat with Mr. Emmanuel Koji Jones Mensa, all the way from Ghana. Mr. Jones is a serial entrepreneur, a philanthropist, and a business mogul. We talk all about entrepreneurship, Africa rising, and the leadership abilities needed for you to get to your next level. Let's get right into how it. How are you doing and how are you feeling today? I'm doing great. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm in high spirits out there. Oh, that's exciting. So um, please give us a little bit of information about who you are, what you do, what your passions are, and what wakes you up every morning. Okay. Um, I think uh, Kojo Jones, a lot of people know me as um, as a young um, African entrepreneur who's just passionate about, you know, making a difference here in Africa. Um, So I I run a few companies, Empire Concrete, um, which is a ready-mixed company. supply company so we supply ready mixed concrete to contractors and builders um, empire domus which focuses on um, luxury real estate kgm foundation as one of my charity organizations kgm trading as well as one of my businesses we import and export commodities um, empire roads and highways you know we're into road construction as well and quite a few other businesses. Um, it's more or less a family business, I would say. Um, but these few ones that I've mentioned are the ones that I'm spearheading at the moment. Wow, that's it's also quite impressive because you are a mogul. <laughs> Why do you laugh? No, I mean you're considered a mogul because you know you're spearheading a whole bunch of different things. Um, but my question to you is, what made you get into the sector? Um, you know, growing up, I've always I always wanted to be in a position where I could help help people. Um, as a lot of people don't know this, but I was actually trained to be a lawyer. Yes, and um, after law school, I just decided to get into business because I felt like, you know, in law school, um, I mean, being a lawyer, there's only much you can do. Um, but being an entrepreneur, there's, you know, there's, there's way more that you can do in terms of providing employment and, and giving back to society. And that, for me, was the main reason why I got into business, was to create employment, um, take advantage of opportunities that would yield in creating employment and empowering people. That's, that's, that was the passion. That's what got me here. Wow, that's quite impressive. So have you always been in Ghana? Have you always been based here? No. Um, well, from my nursery all the way to secondary school was in Ghana and I left to further my education in the UK um, where I studied law and did my master's in oil and gas management and then law school and all that, yeah. Then after I worked in, in the UK for a while, I started my own real estate business in the UK and I left and came back home. Wow. <laughs> I am, wow. Okay, so it sort of like sounds like you had a lot of stuff set in London. What made you decide to move back? Okay, so um, I keep asking my, myself this question all the time, um, especially when things are not going the way I, I, I anticipate that they will. Um, in London, I had felt I had done enough and I just felt it was time for me to come back home and impact 
you know, my people and contribute to the development of, of Ghana because everything I was doing in London was developing another man's land. Even though UK is still my home home, but I just felt, okay, they are, they are more developed, you know, they are considered as a developed country and we Ghana are yet to develop. So I think my efforts and my existence in, in business would be required more here in, in Ghana and Africa. And that's why I took the step to leave and come home to, to do what I'm doing. Do you regret it? I don't regret it at all because um, I think coming back has opened a lot of doors and, you know, I've been through a lot of challenges coming back home, but, you know, it's made me a much better person. It's made me achieve more than I anticipated I could achieve. So, yeah, it's, it's been good. I, I love the fact that you mentioned the challenges. So do you mind telling us some of the challenges that you encountered being from the diaspora, knowing how things in a way work there and coming to Ghana? How did you sort of like mitigate that transition and how did you deal with it? How did you ensure that you still stayed positive? I think I wouldn't talk about two main challenges that I faced when I moved back. Um, growing up in the UK or studying and working in the UK, you know, there are systems in place, right? You don't have to create the system. You know, everything is it's set in stone. You know, you just have to, it's like a plug and play system, right? Um, the systems were set. It was very easy to do business in the UK. Coming back to Ghana, you know, I had to do a lot of training. I had to create systems. I had to get workers to understand various things in business, help them understand objectives, help them maybe understand their work roles. And it was just, you know, the fact that I had my own ambition and I had my own goal, I had to also make sure that I'm protecting that by training, you know, a lot of my workers. And that's one thing that, you know, took a lot of time, you know, and effort, you know, trying to put the system in place for people to understand. Now, there's one thing about putting a system in place and there's another thing about maintaining the system because you can train them today and the next day you know they're doing something else so you have to keep keep you know training them and reminding them of what you've taught them and for me that was that was a very big challenge um, um to me and in africa it's very difficult to run your business remotely you know um, that's one challenge i face coming back home every time i travel you know things are all over the place you know uh, it wasn't it wasn't easy until i got you know the right people to understand how to manage things when i'm not there um, that was a very big challenge for me. And in London, I never faced that. Every time I was out of the country, things were just working just fine. Um, the second challenge I faced um, moving back was the financial sector here is way different from what we have in the UK. Raising finance in the UK for my projects were very straightforward. Um, but in Ghana, it was it's just uh, a headache, I would say. Um, I know that the government and you know the stakeholders are doing everything in their part to, to make it more um, viable for business people to do business here but I think that it, it's a major challenge not even just for me as a businessman but for young startups for entrepreneurs you know people coming back from the diaspora into Africa into Ghana are facing massive challenges in terms of financing and you know um, businesses are framed around you know financing so if you're having problems with the financial institutions and sectors and they're not you know doing what they're supposed to do then you know you have you have an issue and um, we're working closely with some of the Stake, stakeholders, some of the government institutions to see how best we can bridge the gap of financing and to help young entrepreneurs, to help businesses, you know, establish, expand and things like that. So these are some of the challenges that I would say I faced when I when I moved back to Ghana. The other challenges are very minor, minor challenges, but I would say these two are my major challenges, yeah. 
Interesting. You know, like as you're speaking, one of the things that I realized too is that when you do make the move, there's a major like mind like mind change that has to happen. Like your mind literally has to shift. Did you encounter that? Like did you experience that? And what do you think the mindset that you have to learn? Um and the mindset that you have to unlearn knowing how easily it is when things work in um the diaspora as opposed to being here. No, I think that when I was moving back, um because I, I grew up here, I kinda had the an idea of how Ghanaians, you know, I actually are or Africans are. So for me, I just knew what I had to do when I was coming back, you know, to get them to see things differently and to see see that, you know, certain things are possible, you know, and I had to make sure that my mindset was right to be able to impact, you know, that that to, to the people who work with me. And um, uh, they're all also working together is one thing that we Africans don't really do that well, you know, like collaborating and coming together to have a much bigger impact. It's something we don't do. Everyone wants to be a one-man show and, you know, we're trying to get away from that because that's the only way we can move forward. You know, when we come together, we put our heads together, we have a much better impact, we have one voice and it's easier for us to do bigger things than doing small things in, and, you know, think we are doing mighty things in our own corner, yeah. That's that's very profound. I love that. Um, so, still in business, how important do you think self-awareness is to the success of any business, or like specifically in your sector? I think self-awareness is, is very important. You need to know, you know, who you are, um, what your strengths are. I, I always encourage business people to do a SWOT analysis of their own self. You know, to understand, you know, your weaknesses, your strengths, what you can take advantage of things like that because if you don't understand that how can you run a business because you need to know what you're capable of doing and I think self, self-awareness self is very important very key um, when we talk about business and um, a lot of successful business people not just in Ghana but in the world know who they are and that's where it starts from another profound statement <laughs> um, so this is unfiltered so you have to be real with us <laughs> have you at any point in time felt like giving up that's that's a very interesting question you know I tell you this because it's uncertain but some Sometimes we business, you know, executives or businessmen actually cry at night. Yeah, because sometimes you're so passionate about doing something and if it doesn't work out, you know, for instance, we have about, how many people we have? About 70 workers plus, you know, at Empire. And you have to imagine the fact that you have to pay them salaries every month, okay? So by hook or crook, whatever happens, whether business is good, whether business is bad, you have to pay them, you know? And when you're in business and you want to be successful, sometimes you have to be selfless. You know, you put your your workers before before you. So sometimes you have to sacrifice everything you have to make sure that your workers are happy. So it's it's, it's not easy, um, but, you know, it's, it's just a matter of um, your determination, your strive, and your Focus is what keeps you in the game, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting that you mentioned that because I find that not a lot of people share that part. Yeah, not a lot of people, but I know my fellow businessmen and women. I know what they go through. They don't tell you, yes. but it's you know sometimes it's it's so depressing. Um, but your goal is what brings you out of it. Mm. You know, because you know what you want to achieve. You know where you want to take your company. You know where you want to take your workers. You know where you want to take yourself. Uh, so that's what you know motivates you to get up and say, okay, even though it's bad today, I know it's going to be better tomorrow. Wow. Yeah. 
So uh, how do you take care of yourself? What do you do for self-care? I, love, I don't know if people know this, but I'm, I'm a little sporty, I'd say. Yeah, I play tennis, basketball, nice. table tennis, football sometimes. You know, I just like soccer? to... Yeah, soccer, yeah. Soccer. soccer. So I like to do all these things to get my mind off of some of these things because sometimes when I'm going through these things, all I need, just need to do is sleep mm. and just wake up the next day and just forget everything happened and start all over again. Um, so I like to do things that would tire me, get me tired. I can sleep, rejuvenate myself, wake up, set an agenda, a new plan, you know, to, to do to do other things. Yeah, so that's what I do. That's good. <laughs> no, that's that's actually good because, hey, as long as it gets you to where you need to be, right? Because a tired mind is not an effective because mind. guess what? You're worrying yourself, you know, <laughs> thinking so much at night, having sleepless nights, and then you wake up to the same problem with no solutions. So you rather, you know, do what you can do to get yourself out of that space. Try and get some rest. Get back into into the game, rejuvenated with, you know, the drive and ambition to, to do more and do better. I'm so happy that I get a chance to, like, really talk to you mm. and speak on these things mm. because it's something that, like I said, a lot of people don't talk about, but a lot of people experience, mm. right? And I love the fact that you are honest and mm. raw mm. and unfiltered. Mm. Um, so thank you. I really appreciate that. Like, I really appreciate that. Um, so my next question is now on youth empowerment. Okay. So I know that you recently, well, I see yeah. that you recently started the Koja Jones Mensa Foundation. Yeah. So give us a little bit of information about what that is, what you do, what your focus is on. Okay, okay so the foundation was set up. Um, I used to always do CSR. Oh, I still do CSR, you know, for my company. And I just thought, okay, I'm doing what I can, but what happens if I open it up for people to come in and, you know, let's have a much bigger impact. So I set up the foundation to focus on three areas. The first one is um, clean drinking water to less privileged societies. It will surprise you that, you know, there are a lot of areas and villages in Ghana that don't have access to clean drinking water. Kids have to walk miles to get water um, to their families before they even think of going to school. And that alone just disrupts you as a child. Um, talk less of the sicknesses, the causes and all that, the illness and all that. Um, the second thing is school supplies because I'm, I'm very um, passionate about education because that's one way we can change the mindset of Africans and, and, and move us into the space that we're trying to get into. And the last one is the youth empowerment. Um, I believe that if we're able to empower the youth, get them to start thinking right, that getting them to do the right things, um, we'll, be at, we'll be in a much better position in the future uh, moving forward. So we want to take advantage of the fact that we are still young and the youth you know, are closer to us, they listen to us, they're watching us. Let's use that, turn it to something positive, get them motivated and get them to, to start doing things that will bring huge benefits to Ghana and Africa. Yeah, so that's that's what we set the foundation up for. So it's kjmfoundation.com. Amazing. That sounds really interesting. So on that same note, I find that a lot of people mistaking riches and wealth. Mm. They misunderstand those two things. So I want to hear from you. What do you think is the difference between riches and wealth? I think for me, rich riches would do with physical cash, you know, what you see. Uh, wealth is a combination of what you see and what you don't see. And um, certain things, like you can be rich in yourself and not necessarily have money, but the impact that you have on society, the impact that you have on people is what gives you that wealth, okay? You know, so riches for me, I think, is what you see. Um, wealth comes with you know, a lot of character, what you stand for, um, the impact that you have, your legacy, uh, you know, and... You don't have to necessarily be have physical money like billions to to be wealthy, but I think that wealth comes with a lot of uh, 
character development and you know what you give back and the legacy that you live you know once you're not you're not you know on earth anymore that's it's, it's, that's my definition of riches and wealth yeah that's profound um okay so then now what would you say to youth that are listening to you right now um on wealth generation and like actually cultivating that character that you're talking about, building themselves up to understand that shortcuts do not necessarily lead you to wealth, Mm. right? You asked me a very important question earlier on, um, what do I think about Mm self-awareness? And I think that building wealth starts from there. You need to know who you are what you're capable of doing and then that helps you build on what you can you can actually achieve um now a lot of the youth are distracted by what they see the glam and all that it's beautiful it's nice to have all those flashy things but at the end of the day you have to think about what you are doing for society you know if you're not dead today tomorrow what are people going to say that you what are people going to say about you? What did you leave for this generation and the generation after that? You know, um, so in as much as the glam and all that is beautiful, let's think of how we can make Africa, make the world a better place by doing little things to impact society and impact ourselves. And I think that if we're able to come together, put our heads together and do that, Africa, Ghana, we'll be in a much better place. And that's what the Western world, that's what developed countries do. They come together and they say, look, we need to develop our country, we need to develop our continent, let's do X, Y, Z. And then most of those people who took those decisions and did it are the ones who we should give credit for, for certain countries being developed and moving forward. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's very interesting. So on the same note, we are in the era where everyone wants to be a boss. You know, everyone wants to have hashtag CEO, yeah. boss chick, yeah. boss babe. Like, you know, we're in that era. However, the reality is that not everyone can be a boss, right? And and even just talking from, you know, your experience so far, it's not, it's not an easy thing. However, having an entrepreneurial mindset is very important. What would you say to folks that are in, you know, working for someone else or working within bigger or smaller companies? How can they cultivate that entrepreneurial mindset that would help them to, in a way, move faster in their careers or in their respective fields? Um, you know, a lot of people, yes, you're right, would like to be bosses and they like to be CEOs, have those titles, but it's not easy. You need to pay to be the boss. I'm you. <laughs> you know, um, but some of us had to study, some of us had to learn under uh, bosses. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I'm a boss, I have my boss. You know, so everyone has their boss. Um, but it's, it's, it never ends. You just need to keep studying, keep um, learning, and keep empowering yourself. Mm-hmm. When I was training with uh, the real estate company that I worked with, I knew that one day I would like to own my own real estate company. So I did everything in my part to make sure that, you know, I was delivering whatever my objectives were at the company. And basically, that's that's how you, you move forward. You need to serve. Mm-hmm and be passionate about serving and also you know at the same time build your own dreams and aspirations and a lot of people SMEs entrepreneurs want to fund their startups how do you fund it the money doesn't come from from the sky so I encourage a lot of people take up job fund your startups through that that's your first source of income fund it through that gain as much experience as you can as much as you can gain from the structure of an uh, an enterprise or a company and certain mistakes that your bosses are making you 
t- take them, learn from them, so that one day when you're in that position, you you make much better better decisions. Because sometimes being a boss, you can't really see everything. There's <laughs> the people under you that see the mistakes that you're making because you sit so high, it's so difficult for you to see that things are happening. Um, so if you are below that, it gives you a much better opportunity to understand the dynamics of business and see how best you can make right decisions when you are in that position. Wow. So on that same note, talking about you know serving, which I think is is key in terms of like being passionate about serving because for you you knew where you wanted to go so it also even comes back to self-awareness and knowing who you are and knowing where you want to go how do you as a leader and a businessman and a ceo how do you inspire your team members to have a sense of ownership in the work that they do um i mean my team they know i motivate them like no one's business here um i give you an example you bring in a, a major trade deal especially with my trading company the commission cuts across everyone in the company while the major person who brings in the deal has a much bigger cut okay so it, get, it gives them that sense of involvement okay I'm, I'm involved in the business I mean when the business wins I win too you know and, and that's that's the only way to go about it and as, as a CEO as a boss you need to know how to share what comes in and that's the only way you can motivate your people to work tirelessly for you uh, and, and I don't use the word work for you work with you uh, to achieve the goals that you're trying to to, to, to ascertain um, uh, the other thing is a lot of collaborations with your team mm-hmm. helping them understand that you know you can also build businesses within the business okay so I encourage all my workers to at least have they call it side hustles <laughs> okay uh, on the side so we're going to be running a program soon where I'm going to be putting some of their salaries aside at the end of the year I give them that package and then they can invest it into their own business and that's the only way we can empower ourselves you need to I mean yes I'm the boss but I also want them to be the boss of whatever they are trying to do you know and if it gets to a point where they feel okay Kojo I've worked for you for so long it's not time for me to go on I do what I can do for you and then I empower the next set. Yeah, very, very, very straightforward. Yeah. That's actually really smart. Because, yeah. like, even for myself, before I started my business, like, I was working, you know, and now that I think about it, if there was a program like that, then when you're finally at the stage where you're like, okay, it's time for me to focus solely on my business, you know that you have that startup fund and then you don't have to, like, sort of, like, go yeah. searching. So, even though they leave, I'm still involved in their lives. I still play that mentorship role. I still give them access to whatever they require. So, for me, it's more of empowering them and for me I see them as family and everyone who works with me is like family to me that's what drives me as a businessman anyway so I might as well that's really beautiful it looks like you've created a very beautiful community here yeah. um, and I don't think that's something that's something that cannot be duplicated mm-hmm. you know so that's mm-hmm. kudos to you it should be duplicated it should be but, yeah. I mean in terms of like the community that you create yeah. with your like you know your employees and your sure, team sure. cannot like it's something that they carry with them that's true. That's true. for a very long time that's true that's now every boss that they get they're gonna wish they were like absolutely, you absolutely <laughs> absolutely i think so i think so and that's that's what it should be honestly yeah. now we're gonna talk about africa because i know that you are very very passionate about africa and i also see that you recently went to harvard business school to speak um to the diasporans there on potentially moving back so tell us a little bit about how that experience went. Okay, so when I got the invitation for Harvard, I was like, ah, Harvard? <laughs> like, what? So, I th- you know, honestly, I thought it was a scam. <laughs> um, then, you know, we did a 
background checks, you know, and all that communication back and forth. And my PA was like, okay, this, this is legit. This is right, you know. So I said, okay, let's let's see what you know what they want. But basically, I think they were looking for young entrepreneurs in in Africa, you know, actually doing something. And I think by the grace of God, we were recognized as one of them to come to Harvard to speak to the students, you know, looking to move back to Africa, sort of enlighten them as to what exactly is happening in Africa as well, educate them, let them know that you know things are actually happening here. You know, we are not, we are not, we haven't been left out. You know, so that's that's basically what what it what it was about, and it was it was a privileged experience. I was very humbled to 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 be amongst you know those great minds, smart guys. You know, and the funny thing is when my mom heard that I was going to Harvard, she called me. She said, oh. I hear you're going to Harvard. I was like, yes. It's like, you know, I always wanted you to go to Harvard. I was like, yes. It's like, okay, but it's okay. This one too, we'll take it. <laughs> and I was like, bless her soul, you know. Um, so sometimes, you know, you might not get what we wish for, but, you know, it comes in different forms. And I think that for me, it was a very fulfilling moment for me um, to be given that opportunity to talk to students and enlighten them as to how to come back, what are some of the challenges, um, give them my experience, tell them what I'm doing here, encourage them as to how they can come back and then do more and do better. It was it was amazing. Wow. I mean, I saw some of the highlight yeah. and I'm like, damn, I want to be there. I want to hear all the gems. So then... Do you mind sharing some of the gems that you left with them in terms of like, I'm in the middle of trying to figure out if I want to move back. Um, as someone from the diaspora and knowing that there's a lot of amazing people that are doing amazing things across the world specifically, what would you say is paramount to the development of Africa? Well. This is one thing I said to them, and I spoke to them from the space that I operate in, right? When you look at the population of Africa, it's growing day by day, mm-hmm. right? And we are, Africa is called a developing continent, mm-hmm. and the word developing just tells you that there are so many opportunities. I mean, if I start listing the opportunities, I'm sure we can't even end here, mm-hmm. you know? Um, identifying the opportunity is one, mm-hmm. structuring how to deal with the opportunity or work with the opportunity is another and making up your mind to move down is, is also another yeah 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 a lot of people and, and you know I went through that you know I used to come I come back I come to Ghana I go back to London I come to Ghana I go back to London and at the point that's like okay it's time for me to just pack my bags and then move for good for, you know for good and I think you'd have to take that decision um, you'd have to make that sacrifice if you're ready to move down but at least try and figure out what you're trying to do here before you do that like once you identify the opportunity you make sure that your finance your funding is in place oh, yes. um, you have your right team be ready to train and set systems in place um, before you do that and I think that your initial travel to Ghana should be setting up your business training your team putting your team together and all that once you have all that then I think you're set to go and then keep maintaining what you've put put in place and you should you should be fine you should be fine it's 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 a very difficult uh, continent to work in but I think once you put things in place and you're doing the right things you should, you'll be more than successful so in your experience so far what do you think is the biggest threat in terms of like actually developing the continent and how do we as 
youth or folks from the diaspora or even locals, like people that love our nation and love our country, how can we mitigate that threat from actually manifesting? I think the biggest threat, I'd say, is finance. And I said that before. Um, but those in the diaspora, have, they have access to funding opportunities. So they need to take advantage of that and invest back home. But make sure that you're doing safe investments because you have to bear in mind that you're going to be paying back whatever you, you borrow, you know. Um, so you take advantage of that. And that's one advantage I had in London because I had, I had access to funding, um, funding sources at very low interest rates. It allowed me to do a lot of things here. I couldn't do that with the interest rates from local banks. Uh, like I said, yes, we're trying to move forward as a country, as a continent. So if our financial sector, our banking sector is not solid or strong enough to support us, then we have to now start thinking of raising funding from um, financial institutions outside the continent. So they need to take advantage of that. Um, I think that's, for me, that's my major challenge um, in terms of moving forward in Africa, developing you can't leave what you have there yeah. and say that you're coming to raise funding here. Yes. You need to come with your money into the country, set up properly, and make sure that whatever you set up is giving you a return on investment to pay back whatever loan or facility you've taken outside. Yeah. So what would you consider a safer investment now in the climate that we're in, um, in Ghana specifically, or even on the continent? Um, I think that for me, in my space, in the real estate construction space, I'd say retail um, is, is looking very attractive. Uh, retail commercial is looking very attractive. Um, residential units, housing is also, is also a very lucrative area to look at, but um, luxury development, it's a bit tricky because you're only satisfying a very sh small niche, um, but then the housing problems and deficits is so huge, but then the target should be middle class and below. Um, but some of us, we focus on the niche because we, we have that market and we have that clientele, so we can afford to do the luxury stuff. Um, but if you're looking for safe investments, I think that commercial, retail, um, uh, real estate should be something that you should look at. Trading, commodity trading, I would say, is also not so bad. Um, but I think that we are also trying to get out of the space of importing and getting into the space of exporting uh, most of the stuff that we produce here. So exporting opportunities, coming up to set up factories, getting the raw materials from farmers here, getting the raw materials from locals here, processing it and exporting it is also another um, safe safe investment. But I mean, the investment, there are a lot of them. It depends on what area you're looking at or what you're interested in. But I can only speak from what I do and advise on what I do, yeah. Honestly, this has been so much fun. I have actually learned so much from you and it's very refreshing to hear. Um, so we are more, like now we're on yourself. So okay. we've moved all the way from business to youth empowerment to Africa Rising. Now we're on the self. How do you stay grounded? You have like five, six, seven project. Um, how do you stay grounded? I think, I, like I said before, it's just a matter of knowing what you want in life and um, what you're trying to achieve. Once you have your eyes fixed on the price, I think you, you, you'll you be forced to be grounded, you know. Um, I've always been 
that sort of guy who wants to achieve whatever I set my, my, my targets to be. And if I say my goal is A, I need to make sure that I achieve it by hook or crook. And, and you know, within the confinements of the law, make sure that <laughs> <laughs> that, that is achieved. Um, so I think that for me, what, what keeps me grounded is my focus, I would say, and my determination. And me keeping my eye on the prize is what, what keeps me grounded. I can't afford to do anything to jeopardize that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So what would you say is the number Number one life lesson that your journey has taught you so far? Trust. <laughs> it's very difficult to trust people in business. Um, people are always trying to shortchange you or uh, trying to take advantage of you because you are X, Y, Z. So it's very difficult for you to trust people, even though the, my, I'm very passionate about empowering people and that's one of the reasons why I got into business. But sometimes people make it so difficult for you to move forward because you trust people, you build so much with them and you know they have an ulterior uh, motive and it, 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 it's, it's a big problem um, so it's taught me my journey as a businessman has taught me to trust carefully um, just not to trust at all but to trust carefully and um, you know be careful with what I'm doing and there's certain things you don't open up to everyone and I was the sort of person when I came back from London I don't care who you are I just tell you what I'm doing and tell you what's going on I give you the details and all that and some of them try and use it against you or try and you know go behind your back and get contracts and all that um, so for me that's one lesson I've learned here in Ghana and in Africa is to just trust carefully still do business with people but just know how to position certain things so that you don't create any problems between yourself and people you work with yeah very profound so I'm gonna ask you a very controversial question um, but I have to ask because this is unfiltered do you consider yourself a feminist um, I'd say I do. Um, the reason why I say that is some of some of you might know my mom. She's um, Gifty Lamte. I mean, she's a, she's a strong shaker in the society. <laughs> strong shaker. Uh, uh, she's a woman. She's very powerful. And, you know, she just taught us the power of a woman uh, to understand that, you know, you can't live without them, you know. Um, but... Yes, I mean, empowering women, women, you know, taking positions in society and actually being at the forefront of, of the world and, you know, the political scene, the business scene is, is, is what is what it should and what, what we need to push for. So I'd say yes, I'm, I'm a strong feminist. I believe so much in women and I think that uh, my organization, not, not here, but on the other side, where well, you see a lot of women in action. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I believe strongly in that, yeah. That's very interesting. Well, I love the fact that you added the word strongly. Yeah. So, <laughs> ladies, Kojo is a strong feminist. So, we, we really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so, honestly, it's been such a pleasure hearing about you, about your journey, and all the amazing things that you're doing. Are there other projects that are on the horizon that people need to look out for? Exciting stuff? Um, some interesting moves in the tech space coming oh. up. I can say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah in the tech space. <laughs> And, and quite a few interesting um, projects in the pipeline. So we have Empire Tower coming up too, uh, which we're all passionate about and waiting for it to kick off. And yeah, a few other projects. As he said that, he stares at the picture of Empire Tower um, very, very dreamily. So yeah. it's exciting. Okay, so now we are almost 
done with our questions. Um, so now it's the rapid fire section. So rapid fire. rapid fire. So you don't have to think about this one. So when I ask the question, the very first thing that comes to mind, okay. you answer. Right. Are you ready for rapid fire? I like surprise. I know, but this is not a surprise. Okay. So this is like the first thing I'm okay. <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, got it. All right. So success is patient. Mm. Africa will thrive when we come together as one. My legacy is rooted in giving back to society. <laughs> okay, and the last one, Kojo Jones is. Um, Kojo Jones is Kojo Jones. <laughs> you, you you have to give us more than that. Kojo okay. Jones is. Okay, Kojo Jones is a passionate entrepreneur. Okay, I like that. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. Thank you so very much. So there you have it, folks. We have Mr. Kuja Jones Mensa of the Empire Group of Companies. Um, where can people find you? You know, where can they stay in touch with you and all that good stuff? I think Instagram is Kojo Jones. Um, uh, Twitter is Kojo Jones Mensa. Um, and yeah, I think those are the major ones. Uh, Instagram, Instagram and Facebook is Kojo Jones. Twitter is Kojo Jones Mensa. Okay. Yes. Well, did you enjoy this interview? It was amazing. I mean, you put me on the spot, but, you know, I'll let you off this time. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of Unfiltered. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, be sure to share this with your friends, with your family. And also, if you would like to donate to the Coach Jones Foundation, visit their website at www.kjmfoundation.com and impact the next generation of change makers. Again, it's your host, Aisha Adol, asking you to stay fly, stay true, and do you. This is Unfiltered. (sighs)